You know, um, <clears throat> we uh, journey with God along the way, and stuff of life just kind of runs. And, you know, over the last few months, um, I, I've had a lot of questions in my life. You ever go through a season in your life, you're just like, uh, God, what are you doing here? And, um, and when I get into those situations, I so very frequently uh, run to his word and I start trying to find wisdom and understanding and knowledge and help and hope in, uh, in his word. And, you know, over the last months, uh, one of the places that I found hope and help and comfort and a few questions along the way um, was in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I, I don't know if you've ever read the Sermon on the Mount and just kind of scratched your head like, what exactly are you trying to say here? Um, but over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to spend some time uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, blessed are. Blessed are. Let me read that passage for you if you have your Bibles and like would like to follow along. Um, that's that little black book that's underneath some of the chairs there in case you've forgotten what they look like. Or they're, you know, on your phones or wherever you're at. I know I've got my back row over here, my little ladies with their iPhones. And so Matthew chapter 5. Um, for those of you that know me, you can read much into my heartbeat when I read these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil about you, against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And today's passage of scripture that we're going to focus on is blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Father, this morning we uh, we want to hear from you. Speak to us. Have your way done in us. Lord, uh, encourage us and help us as we reflect on you and your work in our lives and how we live in blessedness because of you. So, Father, just uh, take these minutes and use them for your kingdom's sake. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed. 
blessed. The word there uh, is a word that talks about being happy, happy, contented, fulfilled, blessed. I thought about that over the last months and I thought about, uh, are you serious? Because I am poor, feel pretty poor in spirit. Anybody ever felt poor in spirit? Yeah. That's not really a real blessed kind of experience, is it? I don't know. And yet there is truth in scripture that speaks to us about blessedness in the midst of being poor in spirit. That there is something that is possible, something that is possible within our hearts when we think about contentedness and happiness. A sense of well-being within us. At being poor in spirit. The promise is that are for those that are poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is this relationship with God. Theirs is this place in this great universal realm of God. Without a doubt. But what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Is not talking about physical poverty. He doesn't say, blessed are the poor, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So he's not talking about a, a physical poor, poor poverty or a financial poverty or, a, you know, my body or whatever. I mean, I, I felt kind of emotionally poor in spirit. But he's really talking about something else besides that. He's talking about a spiritual poverty. If you read through a number of the passages of of this passage in other translations, uh, these are some of the ways that other translations translate it than what I read to you. Uh, One says, God blesses those who realize their need for him. Another one says, God blesses those who recognize they are spiritually helpless. Another one says, God blesses those who depend only on him. Another one says, God blesses those who know they have great spiritual need. You kind of get the idea here that that it's really about this sense of our inadequacy to do anything about our spiritual condition. This hungering and thirsting that we have within us that speaks out. And we realize that without God in our lives, we're not going to make it. Without God doing what God does, we're not going to get there. When I began to kind of get a sense of that. That began to help me because that's the way I felt. Anybody there? You, hopefully we're all there. This poverty of spirit that understands our dependency on God. Let me give you a little definition. To be poor in spirit means that I depend on God rather than myself. I think that's what it means. It it means that I humbly come to God, acknowledging my dependence on him for all that I am. 
acknowledging my inadequacies to handle life, my inadequacies to do anything about my spiritual condition, my inadequacies to face anything that presents itself to me in life. Yeah. I've been there. So, what does that look like? We can say, I have a poverty of spirit. And in that, there's a blessedness. But, but what does it look like? How do we live that out in our practical lives when we think about what does dependency upon God look like? Dependency upon God and not myself. And I'd like to just suggest to you a couple of things that for me have been important over these last months. And, and it comes down, starts out with a question just to say, on whose wisdom will I depend? Will I depend upon my wisdom or upon God's wisdom? Do I have the answers? Do I have it figured out? Do I have all this stuff, all my ducks in a row and everything's rolling along? Or am I going to depend on God's wisdom? See, Proverbs 14, 12 says, uh, there's a passage there that says, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death or destruction. The proverb is saying, the, the writer of the proverb is saying, you know, sometimes we think we've got it all together. Sometimes we think we've got a plan. Sometimes we think we've got everything worked out and, and it seemed like a really good idea at the time. And then we realized that, yeah, this was just my idea and it really wasn't God's idea. Anybody ever done something like that? You know, you, you bought a house, you bought a car, you bought something, you, you, you know, you said, it just seemed like a good idea. And then you end up and you go, wow, that was a real disaster. What in the, why, in the, why in the world did I do that? And we could probably go on a long time, all of us sharing ideas and things, because as soon as you say those kinds of things, we have stuff that pops into our head to say, oh, man, I wished I wouldn't have said that, done that, gone there, doing that. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but it just didn't work out that way. Too often we function on our own wisdom and our own abilities and our own gut sense of what's right and what's wrong. The problem is this, if I can be so crass. You know what our gut is filled with? Pizza. Not really the best thing to make a decision on. God's wisdom is where we need to go. It's on his wisdom that we need to rest. And sometimes we function as if we've got it all figured out and we know what we're doing. When what we need to do is just trust in God, because here's the deal. Feelings lie. Feelings lie. Feelings come and go all the time. They they do all those kinds of country western song that says, how can it be wrong when it feels so right? Hmm. There are all kinds of things that feel right in the moment that aren't right. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end leads to destruction. But there is an alternative. And the alternative is Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. 
which I'll summarize by just saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your paths. He will direct your paths. So if we really want to know God, have God's blessings in our lives, the first thing that we've got to understand is that we've got to depend on God's wisdom in all that we do. We don't depend on what my gut says, and we don't depend on our feelings, and we don't depend on our, on our friends' opinions and all the rest of that stuff. We really have to seek out God. You remember the scripture verse, perhaps, James chapter 1, or verse 5? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should pray and ask God who gives it generously and graciously to all. You understand that? There, there is this sense of saying we've got to stop and seek God, seek his word, trust in him and wait on him for his direction and his path and his plan for our lives. I can tell you that in the passing of my wife, my feelings have been, wow, 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 you know, as you might imagine. One idea seemed good, and the next idea seemed good. Let's do this, do that, all the kinds of ideas. But in the end, you know what I hear? Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. Just keep praying, keep trusting, keep going forward. One of the uh, one, one of the guys that I really like, I don't know if, if you read Blackaby very much. He hasn't quite as popular these days, but, but Henry Blackaby uh, is a guy who wrote a book that I really like, Experiencing God. And uh, his son, by the way, is going to be here speaking in our church on, I believe, the 22nd, Friday the 22nd, we'll be right here and going to be talking about prayer. And if you're interested in that kind of thing, um, you can go online and register and be a part of that event, $25. Uh, and he'll be speaking here lunch, and then, and then uh, he'll be talking to us. So anyway, if you're interested in that. But Black, Blackaby says, his father wrote this book, and he said, um, he said, and until you sense God's leading to that next thing, just keep on doing the last thing. Does that make sense? Just keep doing the last clear word you had from God until he gives you another clear word. That's hard, right? It's hard because we are in situations and we want an answer and we want to fix it and we want to do stuff. And, and yet, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who depend on God and his wisdom, his will, his leadership is where it starts. Second thing I think I have had to come to understand in the midst of what does it mean to be dependent upon God? So I ask myself, am I going to be dependent on God's strength or my strength? The same kind of question we have to ask ourselves. We're going to depend upon our strength or God's strength. The problem is that our strength is limited. 
God's is unlimited. God's strength is infinite. Ours is finite. We're going to get tired. New Year's resolution. Exercise more. That's a horrible concept. I don't know who came up with that. But I have found that I can eat a little more if I exercise a little more. So that's good because I'm also on the less food. Fewer calories concept. But I do know this is that I don't have enough. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who trust in the Lord for help will find their strength renewed. They will rise on wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not grow faint. In your deepest, darkest moments, in your deepest, darkest moments, when you cannot see a way out, when there doesn't seem to be an answer, where you don't have the strength to carry on. It's in that place. Where we say, God, you are my only hope. I am dependent on you and your strength. I go to a grief group. And um, grief groups are funny. Ever been to a grief group? Yeah. Paul's been to a grief group. He leads a grief group. And uh, people are in different places and different phases. And, you know, some people are there and they're kind of conversing and they're talking about figuring out how to get up in the morning. <laughs> figuring out how to put their clothes on and make the bed and get to the kitchen for breakfast and It is a reality of how do I just function? I do not have the physical or emotional strength to just get up and go. I'm on a diet, so that has not been my problem. <laughs> I just continue to eat. I'm on the other side. Well, let's go eat. But there is something about the strength that comes from God when we don't have any other hope and we don't have any other place to turn to. And the interesting thing is, is that in the midst of our weakness, there is strength to be found. The Apostle Paul talks about that. Second Corinthians chapter 12. It says, three times I begged God to take away my weakness. That'll be a whole other conversation about. Prayer and answered prayer and why God doesn't answer prayers and all those kinds of things. Here's Apostle Paul, super saint, the guy who is healing everybody else, and he's not getting healed himself. Three times I begged God to take away my weakness. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So Paul says, I will gladly now boast in my weakness. Because when I'm the weakest, the power of Christ works in me and shows up through me. When I am weak, then I am strong. 
Paul speaks of that understanding, speaks of that idea to say, in the midst of our weakness, in our dependence upon him, there is a strength that comes. I've had people say to me, Pastor, how do you just keep on going? How do you stand up there and preach and say those things in the midst of all that you've gone through? And I don't know. But I know that I have no strength but God's strength. And I know that it is his word that strengthens me. And proclaiming my weakness and his strength helps me. Amen? It's what helps us when we just say, I don't have enough. It is being dependent. It is being poor in spirit. God, I do not have enough. I do not have what it takes. But I trust in you. And in that, we find strength. And God is honored and glorified in the midst of it. Even. Even as we mourn, as we cry, as we struggle It is the paradox. It is the paradox of depending on God. That the more, the more we're weak, the more we depend on God. The more we depend on God, the stronger we get. And the more we go through that process, the higher God is raised and lifted up. It's not about us. About him. The third thing I have kind of grappled with in the last months thinking about these kinds of dependencies is the idea of timing. Will I live in God's timing or will I live in my timing? I'm a golfer, you know that. Do you know what, not the only difference, but one of the great differences between a professional golfer and an amateur golfer, you know what it is? It's timing. It's timing. A lot of people can swing the club really hard. But to be able to swing a golf club really hard with the perfect timing of your entire body separates the professional from the amateur. It's, it's all about timing. It's, you know, when, when many of you have had dinner at my house with Norma when she was cooking, and what most of you probably don't know is that it, it just looked like Usually it just looked like it all flowed so effortlessly and she's kind of floated around the kitchen and everything just kind of went like it's supposed to go. And what you don't know is that for the week before that, she has her charts out. I mean, she was a planner. And so she would start with the time that she wanted everybody to have that first fork full of food in her mouth, in your mouth. 
And she would work backwards from there, timing absolutely everything that went into that meal. From, from the setting of the table to the cooking to the food to the, you know, every little piece of that, the gla- ice in the glasses and everything that went. You know, it, it was just like this clockwork kind of thing. She just had that sense of this needs to go here and that needs to go there. And, and she'd have pots everywhere going and cooking and developing. And she just had it all timed out. I'm lucky if I can get my toast and my scrambled eggs in the morning to come out one without, you know, kind of the same time somewhat and not be icy cold and one warm or one hot. And I'm, you know, she'd have this whole thing all wrapped out and it would just be this marvelous dinner. Timing, timing. It's all about timing. The same is true in our lives spiritually. Tiny. And the trouble is this, is that we don't really like waiting for God. We don't like waiting. We live in a life and a culture that says, well, now would be good. I can wait an hour or so maybe if I need to, but now would be better. I'd like an answer now. I'd like a healing now. I'd like you to take care of this now. I, I, you know, whatever your per- we think that'd be better if it just happened sooner than later, right? But it doesn't really work like that. And what we have to understand is that while God is, while we're waiting, God is working. While we're waiting, God is working. Sometimes we we think that when when we're waiting, nothing is happening. Sometimes we think it delays say that, well, God, God isn't doing anything. And and yet that's from our perspective. God is still working. He's taking us through a season. Ecclesiastes says that to everything there is a season. We walk through that process waiting. Psalm 31, verse 14, 15 says, I trust in you, O Lord. You are my God. My times are in your hands. You see, God is never in a hurry. He's eternal. He doesn't run on the same timetable that I do and you do. Isaiah 60, 22 says, I am the Lord, and when it is time, I will make these things happen quickly. That's Isaiah, the prophet, saying, God, <laughs> any time now would be good. Set things straight. But you need to hear this. A delay is not a denial. That was good. You got to write that down. A delay is not a denial. Sometimes we think that God is saying no when we don't hear anything at all. And God, we don't see anything happening. So we say, well, it must be a no. But not necessarily so. 
It may be the question to say, will you continue to trust me even when you don't see the answer that you're hoping for? Will you continue to depend on me in the process? Even when it doesn't seem clear. Micah 7.7 says, I trust the Lord God to save me. And I will wait for him to answer my prayer. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Our poverty of spirit, our dependence on God, no matter what comes our way, is God's path to fulfillment and contentment, to blessedness. Sometimes it seems that this kind of poverty is thrust upon us. Sometimes it just is. But dependency is a choice. You understand the difference? Sometimes stuff just happens. And we recognize our Inadequacies. We recognize our inability to do anything. Stuff happens. Dependency is a choice. We can choose to depend on God or not. I trust that you will choose with me. To depend on God. For blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know their dependency upon God. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Father, into your hands do we give all that we are. Hmm. Poverty of spirit. inadequacies to deal with our spiritual lives to deal with life an invitation to dependency Lord there probably could be hundreds of ways that we could talk about what that dependency looks like But in you, we have cast our lot. And so for starters, Lord, we trust in your wisdom. We trust in your strength. And we trust in your timing. Help us along the way to seek your face. To wait. To rest and to lift your name high. For when we're weak, then we're strong. Because you are working and moving within us. So, Lord, take those places where we especially feel that 
poverty of spirit. Encourage us. Strengthen us. Direct us. For we love you. And we give you our all. In Jesus' name.